Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza, uh, hosted by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. I'm Scott Wisniewski. I'm joined by Jake Kokorowski. Uh, before we get into anything, Jake, uh, first of all, how's everything going with you? Doing well, doing well, you know, staying busy. Uh, Badger spring football in full swing, officially halfway through after today's practice, and it is, I mean, there's not much you're going to gather in terms of who's going to start where or with all the injuries and players out or that are being held out as precautions so but other than that just rolling and uh we got a lot going on here and i mean with you brother i mean you were just at the brewers game on tuesday night uh, a nice come from behind win though they lose the series to the cardinals especially after that six nothing shutout loss uh last night and kind of a mixed bag they're four and two right the brewers are four and two uh, they sweep the Padres, they come back, and, and they lose two out of three to the Cardinals, and now they face, we're recording right now at quarter to seven on Thursday night, they're facing Chicago in just about 20 to 25 minutes with the opening pitch. So, uh, you know, it, it, some good things, some bad things. I would love to know your impression of what's going on. I, I mean, you know, four and two aside, I think it's more bad than good. I, the, the St. Louis series was a perfect example of, their deficiencies at starting pitchers. Uh, thankfully for them, the bullpen was solid enough to at least win them one game. But, uh, you know, I, I fear and, and I've said that I think the problem is going to be starting pitching all year, and that seems to have at least early on reared its ugly head. Chachin had a hard time keeping the ball down. Davies was terrible, and, and to be quite honest, uh, uh, it, not a very good performance by Chase Anderson. And now the news today, you know, Christian Yelich likely not going to play. He's got a oblique injury. He's not been DL. He's day to day, but you know, one of your best offensive weapons may be unavailable for parts of this Chicago series. So, you know, it's a long season, whether they would have been six and oh, two and four, four and two, like they are now, it wouldn't have mattered too much, but you know, hopefully for them, they get a split in this, at least a split with the Cubs, and and they can get out of town with a six and four record, and and uh, you know, again, plenty of baseball left to be played. But I'll keep, I'll be keeping my eye on that starting rotation, and uh, specifically for their deficiencies. Yeah, I think that's one thing where you have it's still early, like you mentioned, so. Uh, not to pull the, you know, press that full-on, you know, nuclear red panic button, right? But it's still, it's not a good start where you have Shasin come in, and you know, supposed to be, you know, I, you know, and and, and I, there was a tweet by the way saying that like, I forgot the the splits, but his April and May were really bad, and then come June. You know, and later on in the season, it's like uh, right around a 3-4, 3-5 ERA throughout his career. But, yeah, it's not a good start and uh, for for him, and especially be supposed to be someone that's supposed to fill in that starting rotation. So I'm intrigued to see how they bounce back, and especially against the Cubs and, and that firepower that they have. And the Yelich injury is concerning just from it's an oblique injury, and so you swing. I mean, baseball players utilize that your right. obliques all the time when you swing or throwing it's just a a nagging injury so it's something to keep an eye on there still early on you you like the resolve of the team you like a positive ryan braun slugging two home run you know two game-winning home runs uh positive uh you like what lorenzo kane's doing you like what yelich is doing uh before the injury here's the here's the thing though you know as much as you know, people can be. There are some people who are really upset and kind of wringing their hands at, at the fact that Chichina struggled and uh, things of that nature. But here's the thing: everybody in this rotation is pitching at least one, if not two, spots up. Okay, so Chichina is the three. He should be a four or five on a real, uh, to me, a championship team. Same with Anderson. He shouldn't be a one. He should be a two or a three. Davies should be a three or a four. See what I mean? Like everybody's pitching up. Right. Nelson, when he comes back, will be one. He's a two in my book. They don't have the top of the rotation guy. By the way, the lineup's out, so there is no Yelich. Oh, it's been out for a while, but I just looked it up. So it's Kane, Santana, Braun hitting 176. Shaw, Aguiar. So uh, Aguiar gets his first start of the season, as does Hernan Perez. He'll start at second. Uh, Arcia, and then Jet Bandy gets his second start of the season. Um, 
I think the last time he started was when Suter pitched as well. So maybe he's Brett Suter's personal catcher. Who knows? Yeah, so, I mean, we got – it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Obviously, against the Cubs, it'll be an early litmus test to see how they react and whatnot. Obviously, like I said, it's still very early on, folks, when it comes to this. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what comes out of it during, you know, the rest of this month uh, and into May about what they can do. You know, if that starting pitching, if it can turn turn the corner, which, like I said, for the first six games has been okay, has not been great outside of, you know, Chase Anderson's uh, big opening day uh, when, when he went, what, six strong and, and didn't give up a run. So we will see on that end. Uh, anything else from, I mean, your first time at the ballpark at Miller Park this year was Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anything big there at Miller Park? Any new concessions? No, anything? no. That was kind of the surprise. We couldn't find anything new from a concession standpoint. Obviously, the sausages are different this year. And, uh, I mean, I, I boy, I hate to sound like a doom and gloom guy, but I had one of the Johnsonville sausages, and uh, the polo sausage, just not as impressed as I was with the the Usinger brand. But, uh, yeah. Understandable. Um, but no, nothing really new. I mean, no really new attractions. I mean, they redid some of the concourses a little bit. They took away the donut shop that was there. Um, you know, and obviously it was bitterly cold. The roof was closed, it, it, but it was still not, not really warm. I mean, it was like 31 degrees outside when first pitch hit. So, um, you know, a lot of, and, and because there's only a handful of people, though they reported 26,000, which, there weren't 26,000 people in the park. There were a lot of stands that were closed as well. So maybe, maybe hard for me to, to say for sure, just because I haven't, you know, really didn't get a chance to, to look at every stand since a lot of them were closed. But um, there was actually one new stand and I'm trying to remember what it was. We did not eat at it. Um, I would say still have the macaroni and cheese stands. I mean, you got to remember they redid the concessions last year. And they brought in a lot of new food products and a lot more foodie things. So I didn't expect to be a drastic change this year. I mean, they spent a lot of money and a lot of energy um, upgrading it last year. So so there wasn't anything new that stood out, but there's plenty of good food at the ballpark, at, at Miller Park. I mean, it's a little bit different than the you know days of old, even old Miller Park, but even old County Stadium where you didn't have a lot other than sausages. Um so yeah, there's definitely more options, but um, I just I enjoyed my you know I enjoyed my time at the game. I always enjoy the second game of the season better than opening day anyway because I don't usually have to deal with drunk people spilling beer all over the place. So absolutely, here's an odd question for you before we kind of go into the Bucks. Uh, when it comes to looking at the old Brewers logo, uh, now this I didn't realize this till ten years ago, which or even maybe ten to twelve years ago, which makes me feel really stupid, but. When did you realize that the Milwaukee Brewers logo was an M and a B? Uh, somewhere around 1980, 81. Um, I was like 10 years old and I've been watching the games for a few years. And then somebody pointed it out. I mean, it's probably it was my dad. If I, if I, I was like, oh, my gosh, because I always thought it was weird. I think I probably asked him, why is there a four fingered glove? <laughs> did it make sense right and then he told me and i'm like oh okay that makes more sense i still don't like the fact that it's a four-fingered glove but it don't I, it it was a lot more clear after it got pointed out to me yeah no i understand that yeah no i just realized i'm like oh yeah it's ball and glove it's nice and the next thing you know <clears throat> oh yeah the m and b huh and then i felt really like i said just not in fe- pretty inferior in- intelligence after that uh but yeah, no, it's, I mean, looking at another Milwaukee team, right? The Bucks. you're looking at right now fighting for, I mean, they clinched the playoff spot yeah. yesterday, yeah. and yeah. now with word of Kyrie Ir, you know, Irving being out for the rest of the playoffs and the regular season, you know, everyone's talking about who's going to get the seventh seed to face Boston because they're, they're right now they're obviously aching and they're now minus an all-star, you know, you know, caliber player that you know, leader of their team. It's, uh, I mean, we're getting down to the nitty gritty of this, and I mean, there's already, I know there's the, the Jabari Parker um, talk that's been going on sports radio too a lot the past few days. You know, where do you want to start with the Bucks? Okay, let's start with the. We talk about the playoff seating. So right now the Bucks are tied with Washington, 
and a half game behind Miami. So Miami has three games left. The Bucks and Washington have four. Um, Miami's the sixth seed. Washington technically the seventh. Milwaukee the eighth. So you look at the Bucks schedule coming up. They've got the Nets tonight, then the Knicks, then the Magic, and then they end with the Sixers. Realistically, they could go three and one in that stretch, though. Um, so you, you figure if, if they could go three and one, you need to get a loss for uh, two losses from Washington. And you look at Washington's upcoming schedule; they got the Cavs uh, today, and then they've got uh, the Hawks, who are terrible, a banged up Wizards team. I'm sorry, banged up Celtics team, and <clears throat> the Magic. <clears throat> so you're going to have to hope for the Celtics to still be playing for something, right? Because the Hawks and the Magic aren't real good. And then the the last piece of that puzzle is Miami. Um, and Miami has, if I'm not mistaken, I know they have the, the Knicks, uh, the Thunder, and the Raptors. So they have the toughest schedule. So they could lose two games too. I mean, it's not out of the realm that they could all finish with the same record. But obviously I know the, the point of this question was, the Bucks matchup obviously better with Boston if Irving's out. Toronto, not a great matchup for the Bucks, so they did beat them once in a regular season. And Cleveland, you know, you still have the best player in basketball in LeBron James. So if you're a Bucks fan, who would you rather play? Obviously, take nothing away from the rest of the Celtics. I think they're still a very good team. But if I had to pick one, I, I think I'd want to play the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree on that, Anna, so... Uh, and like I said, with with the uh, Jabari Parker talk, I mean, you know, he's what, if I'm not mistaken, a restricted free agent, right? Yeah. After this season, and you know, I know with, with some of the comments, I forgot what article that was, so apologies on that end. But you know, it, it, is it a lot to do about nothing right now, or is it are people more concerned about the tone of voice, where maybe he feels distanced from uh, the you know from the team? I mean, how do how do you make sense of all this? It depends on who you believe. I mean, it depends on who you, who you listen to because I've heard people who are are inside the organization, or I shouldn't say they're part of their reporter. They cover the team and and, and have it on good authority that uh, Parker is not going to be back as a buck. Um, so let's start there. Let's let's say he's not. Well, why would that be? Um, to me, I think it's the injuries and the fact that he's going to want a lot of money. He already turned down an offer. Uh, at the beginning or, or during the offseason, it's going to win a lot of money, and I think the Bucks are worried about a couple things. One, they're in a tough cap space right now. Okay, They need to try to build a championship-caliber team as they move into a new arena around one of the top five players in the league in Giannis, right? And I like Parker, but to, if, if they, to match what he's going to be offered – it's going to make it hard for the Bucks to do a whole lot of anything else, which includes having to sure up their post-position players. They need a dominant big man more than they need Jabari Parker. Now, I like Parker, and in a perfect world, you keep Parker because do you, you realize it's only been a handful of games that Brogdon, Parker, Middleton, and Giannis have been on the floor for the same game. It hasn't ha- There haven't been a whole lot of games. Remember last year, uh, Middleton comes back, Parker gets hurt. Okay, this year uh, Parker's coming back. Brogdon gets hurt. Like we haven't seen the the top four players on his team healthy at the same time, except maybe a handful of games. Okay, uh, and maybe not even because and you know what? To be quite honest, I don't know if they've ever been completely healthy together. So I still don't know what the ceiling for this team would be. I do know that they have a a thin bench and they don't have a dominant president presence in the post. And those are the two things they need to take it to the next level. And in, in order to do that, unfortunately you may end up having to sacrifice and cut ties with Jabari Parker. That's the only reason I would consider doing it. I like Parker and I think he's going to be a, a really good NBA player. I, st- I will always worry about the knees though, because two injuries over the course of two seasons, you start to you have you have to be concerned, especially if when it comes time to having to invest big money in somebody. So the other thing that that kind of lays to waste is the fact that he's been healthy and and not getting much playing time means that maybe they're trying to see what this team looks like without Jabari Parker having to be a key contributor, right? Kind of getting a glimpse of what the future looks like. Again, now I'm speculating, so this this isn't necessarily any authority, but. 
my gut feeling tells me it just but from listening to the people who I trust that cover the team and he's not going to be back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm agreeing with you there. I mean, depending on the, the, the money is the big thing. Uh, and if he wants that max deal, then it's going to be – I just – I don't know if he's proven to, that to get the con- the max contract. Now, you've seen he can be valuable. And like I said, you want to see that potential with everyone in that lineup together. But right now I'm, you know, I'm skeptical, but who knows what happens between now and, and you know, and, and when that decision needs to come. So – uh, I mean, I'm also intrigued to see, like, I guess part of me, too, wonders, well, what about whoever coaches the team? What will they think about Jabari coming up? If it's, if it's, I don't think it's going to be Joe Prunty by any stretch. I think. I don't think so either. You know, no, I don't so, think it'll be. So who comes in? Yeah, and, and how does that person tailor? Where where do they see Jabari in the offense or defense, for that matter? Where, where you know, which pieces fit where? So I'm also wondering. Well, here's the other piece. So you're right, but but there's another link to this, and it's Giannis. So Giannis is gonna, I think, gonna have some input, or at least he's gonna be uh, uh, counseled and 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 asked and and get his opinion on who the next coach should be before they hire him, right? And I'm sure along the same lines, the new coach will decide what he thinks about Jabari Parker as well as Giannis might say, "Hey, I really want this guy playing next to me," or he might say, "Look." I mean, we've seen it before. The NBA, and I know what happens in all sports. This isn't an NBA-centric problem. It's just a more prevalent problem in the NBA because there's only 12 to 15 men on a roster. But the superstar gets to call shots. LeBron calls shots. Kobe called shots. Uh, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant could call shots. When you're an elite player in this league, you can call some shots. You can influence your team a little bit, okay? Bucks need to keep Giannis. They know they want to keep him. He said he wanted to be here. He was a little miffed about the Jason Kidd stuff. You know if you you got to keep him happy, you need to involve him in the next hunt for a head coach, and that may play hand-in-hand in what happened with Jabari Park. Yeah, so that remains to be seen. Uh, we'll see what the rest of the NBA, what happens with that. Uh, Wisconsin News, you know, you saw Nigel Hayes officially signed with the Sacramento Kings for the rest of this season and then uh, for next season as well. So congratulations to the former Badger who had signed two 10-day contracts with the Toronto Raptors. But prior to that, go and play 10 days with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, But he's been playing really well in the NBA's G League for that matter. Uh, And other, you know, Wisconsin-based news too, Ethan Happ formally, you know, officially declared for the NBA draft. Uh, without an agent, so that allows him to return based off of the feedback. And if you yeah, so, where do you think? Where do you think he's going? I mean, if if you were putting uh, you know handicapping it right now, I'm predicting is he back with the Badgers next year? Or yeah, I think get, so. Yeah, and me too. I think so. I think, I mean, he is an incredible player, and the fact that he he can handle the ball up the court. I mean, he led the team in assists this year. I mean, he led a team. This is what he led in: points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. So, you know, uh, that is impressive for one player, but it also shows how, you know, with the team, uh, how much he had the, the burden was on him there that he had to shoulder. So I think, you know, he still has, the, you know, his free throws. Uh, that's the first thing that sticks out. The second thing, he may have hit one three-pointer, but he need, uh, throughout the season, it's only one three-pointer. He needs to find a jumper I think would make him more viable for you know, as an NBA draft pick but you know this the combine process if he does get an invite will help him and allow him to get that feedback from NBA scouts and personnel on teams to see you know what he needs to improve on and I mean he told reporters back during the Big Ten tournament in early March that if he didn't receive a first round projection he's going to come back he wasn't going to go G League he wasn't going to go Europe he was going to come back to Wisconsin. So I foresee that, and there's no mention of grad transferring either uh, as well. He said, he, I mean, he's you know he's either going to be MBA or he's going to go back to school at Wisconsin. Now, he does graduate from what it sounds like this year, but there's no thoughts of from him about being a grad transfer, according to him, back in yeah. March. So it's either one or the other. I think he comes back. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what Wisconsin can do next year with healthy guards. I think if they had a Kobe King and, and Demetric Trice healthy, I think they win a few more games and make a little bit more rumble. Uh, in my opinion, it's because the guard play was so sporadic and uh, erratic on that end in terms of right, just efficiency and Brad Davison playing with one arm and essentially having to be a point guard when he's really an off guard. He's a shooting guard. 
that'll be interesting to see how everything improves from there. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get a chance to see that. But you know, we're a ways away from the start of the season for for Badger basketball because the uh, NCAA tournament officially wrapped up on Monday. Um, th- they tried to carry the banner for the Big Ten, but in the end, uh, Michigan was unable to to keep up with Villanova, who really kind of makes the makes a case for the people who are against the one and dones, right? I mean, here's a, here's a, here's a team that had a a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of guys that stuck it out for the, you know, more than just the one and dones and Villanova wins their second title in three years. And it's about as close to a dynasty you're going to get. And, and hold, I mean, I know Duke and Kansas and, um, Kentucky are always going to be dynasties, but it's going to be with different players Villanova to have multiple guys who have two championships that's something you don't see in this day and age of college basketball yeah I mean it's it's really I mean you gotta give Jay Wright a lot of credit on what he's done in building up Villanova like they did uh, I'll be with you know uh, they've you know like I said this is gonna Michigan I mean they, they put up a fight for a good half of the game and then think the wheels just started falling off and, and Villanova got hot so uh, still a huge year for, for Michigan. I mean, Michigan had a Final Four team and also a Frozen Four team with their men's hockey team, which is uh, impressive and something that you'd possibly see out of a Wisconsin squad if they got hot with like a, with programs like that. But, it is yeah, unfortunately did not work out for, um, for the Big Ten that way or for Michigan. And, I mean, that's one other thing, too, maybe before we switch into WrestleMania talk. You know, do you go by... I don't necessarily subscribe to it, even though it's one thing where you hang your hat on saying, oh, you know, Wisconsin could have lost to the national champion where they lost to Michigan back in February, right? I I don't necessarily subscribe to to conference loyalty. Uh, I know Ohio State fans don't. I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter about that. But do you subscribe? Is there any validity in your opinion when it comes to that saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, so-and-so team lost to the national champion? Does it make fans feel better? No, I think that's garbage. No, I think it's garbage. Now, I, I do understand if you want to root for your, um, if you want to root for your conference because to get, and when they get into the the final four, it's more money that comes into the conference. But when you're in a power conference like the Big Ten, the ACC, there's already enough money going around. You know what I'm saying? I think the money thing was a bigger deal for the Missouri Valley Conference because Loyola got into the final four. Um, no, I mean. If all things are equal, I might root for the Big Ten team. But if it's a Big Ten school I don't like, you know, Michigan comes to mind. Um, Ohio State comes to mind. Those schools I can't ever see myself rooting for. You know what I mean? Um, Maybe if those schools, maybe if Ohio State plays Kentucky, eh, maybe I'll root for Ohio State, right? Um, Just because I can't stand Calipari and what you know but no otherwise but if it's say Michigan State I don't have a problem with Tom Izzo eh, okay fine if it were uh, a Purdue if they would have made it I, I would have probably rooted for Purdue it, you know it would have been nice but no I'm not like blindly saying well hey it's Big Ten I have to root for them um, not to mention the fact that I'm both a Marquette and a UW fan so the Big East was represented in Villanova so I guess I guess either way, there was a, a team from uh, both the conferences that I have a rooting interest in. So uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of just the rooting interest, I would have liked Purdue. I think they had a the nice senior class. I think they could have made an, an impact there. Yeah, um, but the injury, just an untimely injury, right? Oh, I yeah, mean, it was a terrible injury. I mean, Haas, I mean, even trying to play, you know, trying to play through things, you know, it's not the same. And it, it, especially with the, what he's done. So, uh, yeah, I feel that they have, with everything going on, I, uh, yeah, it was just bad timing and it really, you know, it took the wind out of the sails there. I would have loved to see a more, you know, the matchup with Villanova and Purdue with, with a healthy Haas and, and just see what happened. I'm sure Villanova would have won somehow, but it would have been really interesting to see uh, that matchup there. Uh, speaking of matchups, for that matter, let's talk WrestleMania, right? That's uh, sure. coming out Sunday. It's, uh, you coming to the party, but brother? I don't know yet. I'm I'm trying to. I I unfortunately, it depends on how much I can get done Friday at work, because otherwise it's a 5 a.m. start time for me on on Monday, 
and that could be that could be rough coming back from Madison because um, I have a feeling this WrestleMania is going to go well beyond eleven o'clock Central. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I, somehow, even though it's fourteen matches, they're going to find a way to stretch this thing out to six hours. They just really, really are. So, um, but let so to answer your question is. 50-50 on whether or not I'll be at your house for WrestleMania. Um, I will be watching WrestleMania, though, and um, I guess we can run down the card, or at least what we think we know about the card, and then we'll talk about the one omission, which obviously is what everybody seems to be talking about, which may be actually getting the result that they were hoping for by doing this this way. But let's start with some of the things we... Assume are going to be on the kickoff show. Uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, for one. This clearly has become not important um, since the first year they did it, when they actually did something with Cesaro. But since then, really nothing. Is there any reason for you to care about this Battle Royal other than to see guys get their WrestleMania paydays? Uh, not really. Like, I'm still... I gotta look at the card in general, but yeah, I I don't know if there's a clear-cut winner. Or, I mean, like, what would be nice is that like, obviously you have your money in the make bank match, which is the you know the, those ma- that pay-per-view that gives the wrestler the opportunity to have that storyline where they can cash it in at any moment. But I'm wondering what they can do this you know for this time you know who who could stand out from this and and who could win it. I I don't know. Well, I'll give you two guys that that could be. One of them could be Elias. Um, just because he's ready for that next level push. And another one could be a guy who hasn't even announced that he's in it, and that's Samoa Joe. Because, you know, he's been hurt. He doesn't have anything. Why not? You know what I'm saying? So those are the two that would make sense. Otherwise, there's nobody else that I really care if they win or not. I mean, maybe Matt Hardy because people love this this woken Matt Hardy thing. I hate it. I think it's dumb. But whatever. Uh, that's just me. But, but yeah, like otherwise... Well, of course you do. But um, otherwise, I don't care one way or the other. Unless it's one of those two guys, you know, surprised that we weren't expecting. And the same goes for the Women's Battle Royal. I mean, you know, other than the, the Sasha Bailey storyline, and maybe one of them needs to win it for it to matter. Otherwise... Do you really care? What uh, about what the 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 women's battle royal? Um, I think it's nice that they're all being featured. I think it, in, in that in the battle royal. I mean, I, the biggest thing is the Bailey Sasha, which I think should have gotten their own WrestleMania match. But uh, mm. the way that they built up, I am and I mean, watching them and the back in NXT put on the show that they did, I thought was a really good match. Uh, back was it last year already or the or year before? So, you know, I think it was the year before, yeah, it was Brooklyn uh, TakeOver right before Survivor, no, SummerSlam. Uh, that was a great match. So it, I think I think they could have built, I think, I think they could have kept that by themselves, but, I mean, I think that's the big one big one there. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm i still working through that one to see, and I have, I've tried to keep up with Raw, too, so it's, it's and, and SmackDown to see as much as I can. But I'm more interested in seeing who show, you know, who's all in it, and then how how the story ends up. If it's going to be Sasha versus Bailey at the end, or what happens there. Sure. And then the last kickoff match is uh, allegedly, from what I'm being told, and again, things could change. But right now, it looks like cruiserweight championship match: Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. By the way, this is the first WrestleMania that I can remember where every title is being defended. Because there have been some where maybe one of the tag titles wasn't defended or the U.S. title. All of them are being defended, which is kind of crazy. Nine out of the 14 matches are title matches, including Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali for the cruiserweight title. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a fun match. I, I Gosh, I need to, if I had more time in the day, I'd love to watch 205 Live. I think that from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's gotten better. And I haven't seen the, I've heard about the storyline between Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. I, I think 
I think it'll be fun to watch. I think it, the brand of style of, of wrestling there should be really intriguing, and I think that the the fans in New Orleans should have a lot of fun uh, with that. And I mean, it's a big moment. I remember watching Cedric Alexander. I mean, and both of them uh, during the the Cruiserweight Classic, and I thought both had just showed a lot. I know that that reverse 450 that Mustafa Ali does is is a really you know I mean it's a spectacular move, and just seeing what Cedric Alexander's done with him with his body and his physique. <laughs> Coming back and what he did for the Cruiserweight Classic and the emotion that he had against, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, the the New Japan uh, star uh, who's now te- teaming with Kenny Omega. I feel bad for forgetting his name, but yeah. you know who I'm talking about. But they had a great yeah. match uh, in like the quarterfinals of that tournament. So I think they'll have a. I think it'll be a fun match, and I think that you know. It, not saying it's going to be a, sto- a show stealer, but I think it's going to be a really fun match for, for all those that uh, get a chance to watch it. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we'll see. I might be cooking during that one um, or going to the bathroom or running to the gas station or so, anything other than maybe paying attention to it. All right. So let's talk about the main show. Um, and there's three outcomes for this next match that make sense. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now, I have no idea of where this is going to be in the card. It's going to be on WrestleMania. It's not going to be on a kickoff show. There's obviously Daniel Bryan's back. Everybody wants to see it. But here's obviously the three outcomes. Zayn and Owens lose and then end up on Raw because really SmackDown, they do everything they can to make SmackDown the B show anyway. So why not, right? Why not just dump on it some more? and take away two of their stars. The more likely finish is Owens and Zayn go over, but who turns, turns on, on who? Because it, it, it would be too easy for it to be Daniel Bryan, right? Because that's what they've been teasing-ish for a while. I think it makes more sense for it to be Shane, and, and they could connect the dots later as to why Shane decided to help those two. Maybe he was jealous of the popularity of Daniel Bryan or you know, Daniel Bryan stuck his nose in something he shouldn't have. Who knows? They can figure that out later. But I really am w- interested to see how this match finishes. Right. No, I, I think that's what's the most intriguing part. Who turns on who? I don't think it's a clean finish. I don't think it's a clean finish at all, obviously, where someone turns on somebody or a cheap shot. And I know there have been rumors about who's going to be the new SmackDown general manager, potentially, if there is one. And, I mean, you've heard names. I mean, I think the latest one is Double uh, is uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, uh, making his return uh, in the Hall of Fame uh, coming up, uh, which will be tomorrow. Uh, and I beg for yeah, my yeah. wife watching both the Hall of Fame and then NXT and then WrestleMania this weekend. Um but yeah, so no, it, I think that's going to be a really, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm intrigued to see just how much ring rust Daniel Bryan has and, and just how, how well he, I, I think with Sammy and Kevin Owens, I mean, obviously the real life story, they were on, you know, Ring of Honor, they were, you know, touring, you know, the nation internationally together. So I think they have a great shot. Uh, I think it'll be a great match. Uh, and Shane knows how to put on a good match too. Uh, even sure. with the diver, even the, the the issues that he's had, the actual le- legitimate health issues, I'm really intrigued to see what they do there. So now we move into the take another tag team match. We'll just knock the tag team matches out of the way. The Raw title uh, tag team titles: The Bar versus Braun Strowman and a mystery partner. Here are some of the rumors I've heard. I've heard Elias. We already talked about that. Big Show's name has come up. Big Cass, Samoa Joe, um, those are the ones that have kind of been thrown around um, if it's going to be be somebody who, who's a surprise. Um, I, I even heard Rey Mysterio for a minute, but I don't think that's going to happen. Who do you think the mystery partner is? I think it would be awesome if it would be Samoa Joe, and then they could build that monster tag team. Because didn't he have a hint during Raw this past week saying it's he's – just like Bronson, it was just like him, but just a little different. Now, Grant, I know he came out acting like his brother, uh, and you know, I think it's a joke that fell flat uh, that day uh, on Monday night. But I mean, if he if they do tease that same thing, I think Samoa Joe would be fun. I th- and seeing those two kind of go after each other or go, or go after the bar and like just be a dominant tag team for a little bit. Uh, could you imagine? Uh, it would be kind of fun to see two big, you know, just physical guys as a tag team and who you know who could they build up then from there 
Uh, otherwise, I mean, you go over the comedy route, Elias would be interesting. Obviously, their history would be funny. But I, I, I don't know. I would, I mean, you could also always go like the you know, logical route where it'd be big show because they're the, both big guys and go sure. from there. But I, I don't know. I, I like the I like the idea of Braun and Samoa Joe together as a tag team, albeit I'm sure they'd decon- they would eventually de- destruct, but yeah, yeah. which they well, should. And this may be the last time you see the bar for a while. If the rumors are true <clears throat> about uh, the, some, the surgery that Sheamus is, is, is scheduled for it sooner rather than later. Um, so that would put Cesaro back into a singles uh, role somewhere and, and who knows from there. So, um, all right, so the next tag team match, SmackDown tag team, triple threat match. So we've seen a lot of New Day versus the Usos, and it hasn't disappointed. And now they're throwing the Blungeon Brothers, a.k.a. the former Wyatt family, um, into that match in a triple threat match. Your thoughts? Uh, I think it'll be, I mean, to me it feels like those whoever I mean between those guys and I haven't kept up with this storyline I feel like the heels will probably take it I think the bludgeon brothers I I I just they're dominant I'm just wondering what they do there uh with you know Harper and Rowan so I think they pull it off I don't think it's the new day I think the the new day I mean and you and I know kind of know about this with with just getting over the new day don't need the belts in my opinion when it comes to this time around I mean they don't they're over by themselves uh, the Usos have done a great job. I mean, the, the Usos and New Day have had amazing matches, but then uh, I'm—I I don't know. I think Blood, the Bludgeon Brothers, take it. What about you? Um, you know, something tells me that this is gonna go the New Day's way. Um, but I agree, they don't need the titles for that to happen. And actually, I wouldn't have a problem keeping it on the Usos. What I'd like to see happen is for the Usos to have a run, even though it's a different tag team title, that almost approaches the same one New Day had when they were the, uh, the Raw tag team champs. And then they could, you know, somehow blow off the feud, with, you know, like a week before they were about to pass the New Day. Maybe the New Day wins the title from them. But again, that's a little bit more abstract booking than. You know, I don't think that they're thinking that far ahead. Speaking of lazy booking, the United States Championship Fatal 4-Way match. I, we have four guys. We don't really know what to do with them. So we're going to throw them into a match that, even though there's a lot of talent in this match, kind of bores me to tears, Jake. Um, Randy Orton, to me, is... I, I don't hate Randy Orton, but to me, he's the most uninteresting superstar that the WWE has right now because uh, yeah, I agree. I I've, agree I've seen it all over and over and over again. And there's nothing new that intrigues me. Bobby Roode, to be honest with you, should be a heel, but right. he's and, cleaner right now. Right. Cause he, yeah, he attacked Mahal after the match. Yeah. Last, you know, last pay-per-view. And then he also gave the glorious DDT to Orton. Right. And then you have Rusev, who's also a tweener because the fans love him, though he's wrestling as a heel. And then really the only person who's a clear cut anything is Jinder Mahal, who's a clear cut heel. Otherwise, really, you have three tweeners because, you know, Orton's always kind of the wild card. Right. Right. So, you know, I don't know how that's going to gel having, you know, three tweeners and a heel. I guess we'll see how that how that plays out. But. Really, the outcome I don't want is for Randy Orton to walk out of there with the title. I'd like to see Rusev get a shot with it. Um, I'd be okay with Rude, but it doesn't make sense for it to be Rude if they went out of their way to have him lose it anyway. Right. And, you know, but to me, my my fa- my favorite finish would be Rusev walking out. Yeah, I think especially after he was just added like what last week or two. Two weeks ago, uh, yeah, 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 two weeks ago. I think I, I think his gimmicks over with him and uh, Aiden English. I think it's a great I, what they have going on. I mean, it's organic too, where people have started to catch on, and whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy, uh, you know, or face or heel. I I think it'll be the way that they have him in there now. Uh, you know, whether he gets the accolade on someone or the machka kick. I I think I th- I'd rather I think I'd have Rusev walk out there uh, with the title. Rude. I mean, if they do something, if if he can turn him heel and start a heel run, that I that I'd be okay with that. If they can somehow make him more heelish that way. I mean, he's got the entrance. He's got the the you know in terms of the mic skills and just the the overall charisma. It's now, you know, let's put place him back as a heel. 
and yeah, and, there. and they gotta shake some things up because the writing the last two months on SmackDown has been lazy as can be. I like a lot of the guys they have on SmackDown, but because it's they truly cannot get it out of their head that they could keep both shows an A and an in a, in a one A and, and one and one A, they have to prove to everybody that SmackDown's the B show. Hence, people lose interest in it, and their their writing and booking are lazy. I like some of the guys on on SmackDown. I just think that they don't do a good job writing on that show. So we'll see what they do with Rude and, and who we would face if after WrestleMania. One last tag match, and then we'll move into the singles-ish matches. Rousey and Angle versus Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Triple H can't keep himself off WrestleMania, and it, that streak continues. Um, Ronda Rousey hasn't looked crisp, obviously. She's still learning the trade. But this is going to get a lot of mainstream attention. This is what everybody who isn't a wrestling fan is going to be watching for. And it's also Kurt Angle's first time back in a WWE ring in in a decade. So I'm intrigued for those reasons alone, but I don't know how crisp this match is going to be. I think you're going to have to leave most of it to Triple H and Angle and have Rousey in spurts where it makes sense. Yeah, I think so. They'll protect her. Uh, you know, a little protector in my opinion. And then I think Angle's still got enough in the tank. And, yeah, they'll pull it off fine. I mean, you you saw what Triple H did with Sting back in the day, you know, what, three years ago already. And now they have – Stephanie knows how to work enough. And then you have, you know, Ronda, you know, who's obviously going to be the star out of this. I, I, I think it'll be fine. Obviously, like you said, it's all about the mainstream attention. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what comes in. We'll see how – I mean – I think Triple H and Angle will keep it together in terms of even with Angle being reduced at capacity. I think it'll be fine. I'm just wondering what, what story they'll tell with that. And, you know, after what happened on Raw Monday, where Stephanie put Ronda through a table in Ronda's remarks about which hand the break, essentially, we'll see, you know, we'll also see, like, how if Stephanie and, and Triple H are essentially uh, – written off for a little while out of the storylines too. So, well, you she, know, she usually, I mean, I think she will be, um, you know, right. Cause right now they don't really need her to be part of the story. They kind of gone away from the evil stuff stuff for a while. And then they had her kind of tweener when she introduced Rousey at, at rumble. And then of course now the feud and she's back to being the heel McMahon and yada, yada, yada. So here's another match. Uh, tr- again, I'm kind of over the triple threats because we have a triple threat and a four-way already. But the triple threat for the Intercontinental match could possibly steal the show. Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor. But I'm going to tell you what. I, first of all, I love the Miz. He's my favorite wrestler. Okay. He's my favorite in-ring performer. Same here. I don't think he retains the title, but he should. And he, only, and he should not drop the title until he drops it to Daniel Bryan. Yeah, no, I, that'd be a fun way to end it. Because haven't they been building? They've been building that for almost two years. They've right. been building that for two years with uh, uh, the Miz taking shots at Brian, calling him a coward. You have to have a blow off at SummerSlam. You have to. I, and, and and I think it should. I think be, that's main event too. That should be main event based off of that. I mean, the the hype and the build for that, and both of them could put on an amazing match. I mean, they, that could be an amazing match with a great story told. Absolutely. So that's what I'd like to see happen. And of course, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be contingent on Miz. Miz could lose and then win the title back before. However, it happens. I want to see Miz and Daniel Bryan in the ring wrestling for a title at SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Miz is the top talent, and I think, or what you know, Mike's be. He he knows how to. He knows how to work the crowd. He also, obviously, what he's done in his career, he's he's a good worker, and you know he can wrestle enough to to make the match. You know, to make a, a really good match. I, yeah, I. It'd be great to have him retain. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Finn and, and Rollins. And I mean, they've had they had a good match on Monday. 
but we'll we'll see what comes of it. Uh, and also, congrats to Miz for being the new daddy. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine what he's going through right now. It must be pretty awesome uh, as well. I mean, I do know. We do both do know, but it's Correct. just obviously now you're you birth of your child, and then a week later, maybe this is what I mean, where yeah. now you're in front of tens of thousands of people and and millions worldwide uh you know in wrestlemania so can you believe how how many and and again how amazing of a performer he's become uh from his days as a real world world. yeah Yeah, i mean and and the stuff he had to put up with from guys like bradshaw and some of the other knucklehead bullies in that locker room and he endured and here we are all right a couple more matches we'll try to wrap this up i know we've run late but it's wrestlemania right? right um Women's title for the Raw brand, Alexa Bliss, Nia, ja- Nia Jax. Bliss, I've never thought when I saw her in in NXT that I, I liked her. And I, I, obviously, not just because she's probably the hottest woman in wrestling right now, but I never saw her being the gold standard for you know carrying a title on one of the main programs. But she's done that, and now she's got Nia Jax. I... I, I only think that she maintains i mean she'll get her butt whipped but somehow she'll i feel like she's gonna maintain i don't know i i differ in the i just feel like they've been building it up with naya for a while where like she's been like the sidekick 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 and now this is now it's gonna turn and you're gonna now see you know she's playing her all along i think this is the receipt for that i think that's what happens at the end of this you know in, in, in the end where she you know naya i think gets the the win here i think she that's that's my opinion in booking yeah. it, it's a, you know the fate it's a it's the payoff now she gets the chance to to pay it back and, and i'm not gonna say squash but uh i think it'll be an interesting match I, i'll see I mean, if they do retain with alexa I, I just wonder who's next then when it comes to is it bailey or sasha if so like will that be settled in that women's battle royal uh, Etc. You know. What so, I mean? so what I'm thinking is the way this could happen because I don't know if Nia's ready yet. I think that maybe Mickey James interferes and 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 I think that relatively soon after WrestleMania, Bailey and or Sasha need to win this title and then they need to have their match at SummerSlam for the title. See, it's like because that's the next chapter after WrestleMania. The next build is for SummerSlam, then the next build is for Royal Rumble, and then the next build is for WrestleMania. It's like three seasons of the WWE, okay? Um, and then the, the the season between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is relatively short. I guess they're all four months long. I suppose that's not true. There, so the next four months will be building to what we could see at SummerSlam, and we could see Bailey and Sasha for the women's title at SummerSlam. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Uh, and I mean, looking ahead, then uh, the other women's title match uh, for SmackDown: Charlotte versus Asuka. Uh, I mean, all Asuka, right? Like you wouldn't. Uh, have... I guess. I mean, she's she's the female Goldberg. I better not hear anybody complain about Goldberg though. About oh, we just keep winning all the time because that's really what they're doing with Asuka. I mean, if you go all the way back to NXT. But, hey, whatever. Yeah, I think that's the finish. Uh, you know, I, I think it has to be. She's not going to lose her first match at Mania. But uh, I think it builds up to Asuka Rowdy, uh, you know, Rousey, I should say, <laughs> like next year. But, yeah, yeah, a long we'll way to see. go. Yeah, a long, long way, way to, to go. go. Yeah. Uh, not a long way to go. And what's going to be – oh, before we get to AJ Styles and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura – John Cena, Undertaker. Well, I was saving that for the end, but we can get oh, okay. into that right now if we want to, because obviously the match still hasn't been signed, officially signed. And there's some people who, there's probably just as many people out there that believe that the match might not happen. I think it's going to. I think it's silly that they didn't at least have some closure. And just to show you what a B-show SmackDown is, they actually said, well, we can't do it on SmackDown because it wouldn't has, have as much impact as if we would have made the match on Raw. Again, just proving that they could care less about the SmackDown brand, right? But, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to get there. I don't know how they're going to, you know, obviously Cena will come out, cut a promo, yada, yada, yada. I, I, I really wish, you know, I, I'd actually prefer, and I was going to sound crazy, but I'm just going to throw it out here, okay? Maybe if not at the Hall of Fame, because that's more of a serious setting, 
Maybe it's that NXT takeover. Uh, hear me out. Cena comes out being Cena, but he'll be booed because the NXT crowd is too smart for everybody, right? So they'll boo him because he's invading their takeover show, right? Right. Cuts a promo, not as a heel, because he's not a he- but just cuts a promo as he's getting booed mercifully or mercilessness. I can't talk today, but you get Mercilessly? As he's getting booed out of the arena, Undertaker comes into the ring, maybe tombstones him, says, I'll see you tomorrow. They make the match. Then they go back to their regular scheduled NXT TakeOver program. And it'll make, and here's why it makes sense, okay? It makes sense because it will make people go, wow, I should have watched TakeOver. Look what I missed. Not that people aren't watching it already, because they are. But you're making like, holy crap, they set up an angle for tomorrow's pay-per-view on NXT. So I don't know if they'll do it. I'm just saying that's where if that's where they should. They shouldn't wait until Sunday to do it. Do it there. Everybody, the people will be all, uh, uh, Twitter will be all a flutter. Holy cow, I, I can't believe it. Undertaker showed up at a takeover event. It'll also make people at the next, you know, takeover event go, you never know who's going to show up. We can't miss that event. So anyway, just my thoughts. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a, that'd be fun. I I wonder if you'll see Biker Taker, you know, instead of the, because you saw what happened last year where he essentially put the boots and the, the hat and the, um, That's a good the, point. Yeah. The large trench coat. Do they come back? I mean, I mean, you've heard the rumors about the biker taker. It you makes know, more kid sense. rocks there. Yeah, it, kid rocks there now. Yeah, because I don't inducted. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it should be the dead man because that you're right. The dead man officially gave all the symbolism that he retired, and maybe. Maybe that's the other thing. Maybe Cena stops calling out the Undertaker and calls out the American Badass. All right, I get it. Undertaker's gone. You know, well, then tell me something, Mark Calloway. Tell me something, American Badass. Do you have anything left? Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the, and and again, maybe that's something they should have done a week ago. Um, And the other thing I thought was silly is the, the promo that Cena cut on Monday where he said he didn't want to take anybody else's spots uh, by joining some of these other matches and holding people back, but he could have joined the battle Royal and not taken anybody's spot, but that would have meant he would have been on the pre-show and nobody wants John Cena on the pre-show. So uh, on to the last two big matches of the night, Um, AJ Styles and Nakamura. Are you excited about this? Um, I, I am, I mean, I haven't followed the storyline. That's the thing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I have not been, I have not followed that. So I don't, I guess that I'm not trying to be a cop out on that, but I do, I have not had that, you know, a chance to really follow that story. I think it is, I mean, you saw them fight in, uh, you know, wrestle, was it new Japan? Uh, and, and they had a, from what everyone had said was a great match. I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't followed the storyline, but I think they could put on a heck of a match. It could be a show stealer in that regard, but will it? Uh, that's the next, that's, that's the million dollar question. And how much will people be invested in it? Sure. Well, and it's a long card. So depending on where it is on the show, we'll see how everybody's saying it's going to be match of the night. Now I'm still thinking it could either be the Miz match or the Charlotte Oscar match. But sometimes when people get this much hype for match of the night talk, uh, a lot of times it disappoints. I'm hoping that's not the case, but this is a five, six hour show. Let's see how how ready to deliver. Because, you know, that's the other thing. If you think about it, you've been in locker rooms before now. Thankfully, never on a six hour show. But imagine the adrenaline that's going through your head at like five, six o'clock. And now you're not on till 1030. I don't know, man. Like, oh, I mean, I, play, I, play, I mean, that's what stinks about it. I mean, as much as you love WrestleMania, that it's too long. You need to have a more concise, you know. I mean, and, and maybe it's two or three shows. I mean, you have NXT. The way that they have two and a half hours, and I'm we haven't even talked about NXT, and we we don't have time for it because uh, I got to put the kids to bed soon. But yeah. you have the 
you have these guys, you know, you have NXT two and a half hours. They've built up such great stories. The Gargano Champa match should be off the chain in an unsanctioned match. I'm excited for their NXT for the North American Championship, and I'm excited for you know uh, the championship title match between Alistair Black and uh, LCD's uh, there, yeah, Almas. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, you know, I'm excited for that, but it's great because it's two and a half hours and maybe five or six matches. So they have enough time to build things up and, and take time, and people are invested in almost every match. In this one, you have six hours, and then you get, yeah, I mean, it's what happens when you have such a hot crowd, and you wonder why there's a filler match, you know, a semi main, which is the third to last, and then if you book it right, you have one more match to kind of let people just catch up and get back into it, or a segment, something to catch, give them catch their breath for about 15 minutes, then you go into the main. Well, what is, what is it going to be on the show where, where it's so stacked, and then people are going to get burnt out, like you mentioned? So, um, I think it'll still be a great match. I just, you know, I, I wonder with the hype, and I wonder with. That I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a great match. I, I just wonder, will people pop like they should? Right, and it's like I said, I think it's going to depend where they put this. If it's a semi-main, it's a long night, and it would be a bad way to a bad place for it right in front of the main event because I think you need to throw a popcorn match in there. Although I don't know what match on the main card actually looks like a popcorn match. Maybe that's where you put Naya and uh, uh, Alexa Bliss, like right before the main event to. Uh, who knows? And then the main event, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, uh, based on the promo we saw from Heyman on Monday and now all the talk about from Dana White that Brock's coming back to UFC sooner rather than later. This may be the last time we see Lesnar for a while and the, finally the coronation of uh, Roman Reigns. Yeah, I think so. I think the way they built it up and – Obviously, all the talk about Lesnar coming back to UFC, I think Dana White even teased it or said something that he's coming back. So, yeah, I don't foresee Lesnar coming back for a while. I think it comes up to be Roman Reigns. We'll see what they do with the full-time champ again because the one thing that was always nice is that there was an attraction with the championship. And, yeah, he didn't defend it every 30 days or whatnot, but you know it was still somewhat of a, an attraction there. Uh, with that now how well they build it up and in, in how you know if Lesnar just does 15 German suplexes is another thing but how will they put over Roman because I mean I don't know if you saw the segment at at the end of Raw but like he hit him with like 15 Superman punches and I just I don't like that move and yeah. if you're going to use that move I mean it's a lot when you do 15 of them it just doesn't make it you lose it, it's like doing 15 rock bottoms in a row where I know it's not his true finisher, but if he keeps doing it repeatedly, you're losing its effect unless you really knock the guy out. I know how big Brock is supposed to be, but I don't feel that that move is as I don't think it's as potent that would that it could be used that way. You sure, know, I just sure. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just well, I think too much I, psychology I, I, I think they wanted it to look like wow, that didn't knock him out. You know, yada 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 yada. So, um. So there you have it. I mean, that's that's WrestleMania in a nutshell. Um, obviously, the Hall of Fame. I'm interested to see Jared and Goldberg. Uh, not a huge Hall of Fame, not a not a really big Hall of Fame class this year, but uh, enough to keep me interested, I guess. So yeah. Now I want to see what Jeff Jared does, especially with the Hardys being there and their the whole trouble with the trademark of the broken gimmick and, and how you know what'll happen. I'm sure bygones will be bygones down the road but should be interesting there uh, on that note so uh but yeah other than that uh anything else you want to do before we take it home brother uh no i i think that's uh i think that's about it awesome well you know thank you guys all for listening next week we'll come back talk uh maybe some spring football we'll talk some packers we've been waiting to do that for a while uh just in terms of free agency drafts coming up We'll also break down more. Come, uh, you know, obviously Bucks. We'll see what Brewers. See if that starting pitching's, will if that turns around or not. And for the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. This is Jake Kokorowski. Tune in next week to another edition of the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza.